0: Friends, welcome again today to another episode of the Pinkleton Pull-Aside podcast, where we like to talk all things in the world of of sports, of comedy, of authors, of music, of leadership, of testimonies, lessons therein. And today we have a guy that, it's funny, I feel like I know this guy just from uh, having heard him on a number of podcasts. For those people that know me well, know I love one of my favorite podcasts podcast is Dadville with John McLaughlin and Dave Barnes, who have both separately been guests on this podcast. And then I heard Chip on a podcast a a while back with the Lions, this Gabe and Rebecca, and he was on a podcast with them. And this book called The Voice of the Heart was out there flirting with me, telling me I need to read it. And I didn't, and I didn't, and I didn't, and then I got away a couple of weeks ago on a retreat, and I read much of it, and uh, I understand now why. Clearly, it was Holy Spirit telling me to read that book, and there was much good in there. And again, Chip was super easy to get on this podcast, so welcome my Nashville, Murfreesboro friend, Chip Dodd.
1: Hey, Thank you a ton, Jeff. Appreciate it.
0: So, let's let's just jump right in. What is your, we like to ask right out of the gate, what's your three-minute testimony?
1: Three minute testimony is while I was the super short version, while I was working on my uh, PhD, I was struggling along thinking that that was going to be the next thing that would fix all things. Mm. And in the midst of all that, I realized I was in desperate need of, quote, fixing, unquote. Mm. And that's when I began the journey of the heart and was introduced to there being more than body, mind and spirit. And also uh, the thing called recovery and recovery of heart was the main emphasis for me. And that's kind of that from that point on, everything else followed in terms of me developing the spiritual root system, ultimately writing the voice of the heart and onward. So how how old
0: were you when that took place?
1: 2029. 29 so you, i would consider it the the year of the crash not yeah. 29 29 yeah
0: so you were right in the midst of doing you how far along were you into your practicing and learning counseling and developing your craft
1: honestly you know tr- the truth be told i you know I, I finished up my master's degree and okay i worked construction put down a hammer uh in 80 whatever Went to uh, University of Mississippi, did a master's degree in English, and I was teaching a teaching assistant, believe it or not, mm-hmm. <laughs> literally right out of from building houses uh, to doing that. Oh. And then uh, realized that this was not what I was really looking for. I kept thinking, I, I want to be more with people, not just teaching. Mm-hmm. What's the picture of that thing? And then end ended up being counseling. I'm like, what is that? So I decided I would get a, a doctorate in counseling since I already had a master's. Kind of crazy also i'm I'm from uh, an arena uh, growing up in terms of addiction and a lot of other things that come with addiction in my growing up years and the healing that comes through addiction recovery mm-hmm. in the growing up years, family of origin. But anyway, I, I decided I would go learn how to fix people, so to speak, and then got into a program and realized, oh my gosh, yeah, I'm the one need to be fixed. And you know, a lot of therapists actually go into the world of therapy and counseling to help slash fix people, not realizing that they're the ones who need it most. And I'm one of the fortunate ones who found out I'm the one that needs it most. So, Mm -hmm. And by getting recovery, I I think the whole career shifted away from uh, walking with people into their return to how God made them. Versus trying to fix or change or make them do something, you know. Yeah, it's funny as you're you really talking. I
0: was thinking, you know, if you did a career day, I guess construction and counseling would be right next to each other alphabetically, <laughs> but they don't seem to go hand in hand at all. The more you talked, I thought, well, they kind of do. Like,
1: yeah, they do. They really. It's do. amazing. You know, God is the ultimate garbage man. And so God does not throw anything away. He finds a way to grind at least everything into compost for garden fertilizer. So I thought I'd wasted everything. And it turns out that everything I'd done previously, including the things that I'm ashamed of, all have benefit in God's domain, God's kingdom, God's processes. So, you know, my losses can be somebody else's gains. Yes. My ugliness can become somebody else's beauty, you know, so it's amazing. So that's a big thing.
0: I am so glad you never used that quote on, uh, dadville because Dave Barnes and John McLaughlin would have definitely had the title of your podcast. And you've been under multiple times. I mean, you've been under a bunch, but it would have been God is the ultimate garbage man would have been the title of that podcast.
1: Cause it would have, you know, and I, I love those guys that, that uh, I met Dave Barnes years before, and then he invited me to come on to the podcast. And John, I had first time to meet him <laughs> and Dave. It was so beautiful. He said, Hey, I don't want to hog this. And then he proceeded to, <laughs> to hog it. Yeah. And then we had to do another podcast with so John could talk. So yeah. it was, it was it, it's perfect. They're dynamic. It was like, wasn't what
0: it? Cause it wasn't back. It was the only time I think they've done back to back. And it was like three, three and a half hours combined. When you put those two episodes together. Yeah.
1: Yes, it was. Yeah. It was. It, it was great. Those guys are really dynamic, and they're really doing some really cool stuff. Oh it's yeah, meaningful and yet fun. It's fruitful, you know.
0: Well, we're gonna get back it's, to that because I want to. I want to use something tied to them in another question coming up. So, when you look at the titles attached to your name, like when I, when I googled see your name, LinkedIn, all this kind of stuff, here are the words that come up with you: teacher, trainer, author, counselor, consultant, mentor. Man, I'm, yeah. I'm tired after saying all that's a lot of stuff. How do those <laughs> titles make you feel when you hear them? When you see those, how do those titles, which ones do you embrace? Does it feel overwhelming? Because I know for me, I feel like I carry loads for people running a men's ministry and, you know, being involved in my church as a lay leader and it's uh, you know board I serve on, but that's not all that. So do you, And do you feel the weight of those titles?
1: You know, in some ways. It was only four years ago now, maybe going on five, that I, I would say finally claimed my experience, claimed that what I'd been doing for, you know, 30 years and stated out loud chipdod.com versus all these other me being behind the scenes of so many things. I said, look, I I need to let people know this is what I do. And then that's when I named, these are the things I do. And, you know, it's just recently, Jeff, within maybe a couple of years i actually started thinking of myself uh, as an author i mean you know i've written seven books <laughs> and and only recently so those words i use mentor consultant counselor teacher trainer and author they're very humbly stated because it's like hey but if i don't let people know how do they get to me for me to give them what i've been given cuz i'm just giving away what i've been given and i think mentor is probably I would say of all those words, that's the one that matters most to me, means most to me. And um, I think I most carry wear that mantle uh, mm. most purely and truthfully, because uh, if, in giving what I've been given, it means I'm a guide. And uh, a mentor is a much better word than coach. Uh, the coach word gets way overused. And I'm I'm not a coach. I'm a mentor. It's like I can help you go where you need to go. I'm just a really good guide uh, in terms of, cause I get human. I get human. Yeah. I understand human. <laughs>
0: you know, what's interesting about you saying that I was a part of a meeting in our community in Springfield, Ohio, a number of years ago, and someone posed a question to all of us and then we were supposed to be in groups and talk about it. Like if we can do any one thing and i think it was kind of focused on people under the pre college age like if we could do any one thing for that group of people what could we do and i said i'm going to give you a really simple answer that i know some people may not like because it's too simple but the reality of making this happen is so ridiculously huge because it takes people working together on at least two ends probably more than two ends is that every young person who needs or wants a mentor and i i'm going to put the christian term on it and add disciple if yep. we could get that connection happen to anyone who's desiring it, once it, needs it, which ultimately is everybody, we would take care of a whole lot of things. And
1: unbelievable, yeah, yes.
0: And I just so I appreciate that you really embrace the word mentor. I'm sure you're not afraid to use the word disciple or there as well, because it's just so vital. I've said recently in a number of difficult situations I've seen in in you know community world, you know family life church life, whatever, every issue goes back to a discipleship issue where someone's lacking in whatever, need mentor. I'm like you, the work coach kind of gets overdone today. But how do you respond to what I'm saying there?
1: I love it because, uh, you know, as a, as a person who's focused on giving away what I've been given and it's like, I'm compelled from within. I think I was made for it. You know, that, that Ephesians two, eight through 10, it's a real thing that I am God's workmanship, masterpiece, even poetry. And so are you created in Christ Jesus for, and and so I'm I'm very fortunate. I I found my what for, Mm. and it's to help people see who they're made to be so they can do what they're made to do. And I I really did uh, get to display that for 20 years and walk into a tremendous amount of learning for 20 years which is a long time. You know, when I look back, like 20 years is a long time. And when you look backwards, it's like, well, that was fast. Mm. (laughs) If you look in front, it's like, that's forever. I started a treatment center in 1996, bringing everything I knew, spiritual root system development, everything about recovery, to the world of professionals. And these guys were super successful. I mean, doctors, lawyers, pastors. And they had uh, all the intelligence, all the willpower, all the moral compunction in the world, but they were sinking like rocks with anxiety, burnout, addiction, depression, and they had lost heart. They had they had lost sight of who they were made to be, how they were made, and they had lost getting to do what they were really made to do, which is live fully, and love deeply, and then lead well. So. I got to do that for 20 years, and with amazing, even miraculous results for the highest percentage of some of the roughest, toughest people you can imagine. And so I wanted to bring that to other folks, especially the church, to Christianity, because very often we have all the intelligent answers, Mm. and we have lots of will to... Give our wills over to God and we have moral compunction, but we often don't know how to live life's pains uh, really well. We don't know how to live human really well. So,
0: yeah. Well, and I like what you say. I think I, I feel like I see in Christian culture more and more, we're, you know, you see it with the chosen. I've seen it in books. We're addressing more of the, you know, Jesus is 100% fully God as if he was never man. He's 100% man as if he was never God. And I like that we're really trying to bring out that human side, because if we only focus on a God side, we can't relate to that. But we can relate to the yeah. human side. And I and I like yeah. that. I feel like in Christian culture, there's more and more coming back around to that. So I want to go back to the Johns, the Daves, the Rebeccas, the Gabes, people I've seen and heard who I've taken some content of and listen to them with you talk to you you carry a lot of respect i mean like high level respect so we mix that with those titles I threw out throughout you know mentor counselor author all those kind of things how do you steward all that when you look at time you know there's various authors and podcasters now who talk a lot about energy you look at your energy level you look at how you balance out your day i mean there's got to be times you wake up or you go to bed and you're like man I'm carrying a ton, I'm carrying a ton. How do you steward that well, keeping yourself fresh, hearing from the Lord, having the respect you do with so many people. I mean, you could be getting phone calls, texts all the time, trying to meet needs for people, being encouragement to people, not that it's all negative and bad stuff, but what what Mm -hmm. does it look like for Chip Dodd to steward well? What God's given him and to be fresh and uh, so on.
1: That's a, a great question. And you know, a couple of three things. One is I really do trust God's processes. I'm serious about that. I really believe that God has control, that God's processes work, he owns life. So I'm not responsible for it. I'm just responsible towards it. I'm responsible to speak into life and into uh, others, but God's responsible for the results and, and other person's willingness to seek God in those results. That's number one. So my job is to show up and say what I've been given and give away what I've been given and let it be turned down, <laughs> let it be rejected too. number one. Number two is I have some real men in my life. I mean, I'm talking about like, and it, not many, but some, the ones I can go up on the back porch and say, man, you know, are you sure you really care about me? Because I'm bringing a lot here. Mm. Or, you sure I'm not that guy that you, you know, when you meet me, you're like, oh, dude, he's back. Oh, he's like a yeah. mutt. I fed him once. He's back. <laughs> you know,
0: <laughs> I get that. I, I, yeah, I might yeah. be that guy to some people.
1: Yeah. So can I? Can I dare? Do I have some people I can truly be needy with to get my own needs met that I can be loved by, which means like accepted and pursued and and known. So that's a refilling, that connection's refilling. I think that is essential for men. And then marriage in terms of being able to like fight well, be able to be truthful well, be supported well, and learn a lot because uh I've been married for 40 years and she's taught me a lot if I listen Mm. and and I've disagreed with her a whole lot, (laughs) whether she listens or not. In other words, have that vibrant conversation going on all the time. Yeah. Even even when it's rough. And then also this idea of, of uh, self care around refilling from God, spending time with him. And then the last thing is the thing that that's beautiful to me is that I'm not doing what I do because I have to. Mm. I'm doing what I do, fortunately, because I can't help it, Yeah. which is passion. I'm willing to be in pain for something that matters more than pain. So I'm, I'm so fortunate that, that my passion is the leader. It, it's gotten to lead me because I'm 65 and uh, I've got no reduction. It's weird. It's like those four things are wow. really real, but mainly it's like the passion piece is alive. My heart's alive.
0: Amen. I'm going to come to you as a needy person right now, and I'm. A, you can wear the friend hat, you can wear the counselor hat, whatever you want to wear here. So I was on a retreat two weeks ago, and then I went to a conference last week, the old famous Global Leadership Summit uh, at a local church, not in Chicago. And one of the things the Lord has been kind of showing me is that too often I've been guilty trying to feed the 5,000 and not just bring the fish and the loaves and say, God, do what you want, with uh, what I have yeah. to offer. And God's been showing me that in some pretty profound ways. Like things are just kind of, this affirms this, affirms this, affirms this. The Lord, I think, really has shown me that I'm, I'm kind of stunning my own dreaming space right now, and I'm putting a lid on my own leadership. But this kind of awakening to where I'm trying to feed too many people and not just say, God, here's the loaves, here's the fish, whether it's my finances, whether it's a broken situation someone's walking through, whether it's leadership development within my ministry, Do you relate to that all? Can you really say, Jeff, I have figured that one out. I can speak into your life and help you with that. What would you say to
1: that? I would say, number one, is that I remember I wrote The Voice of the Heart. The Voice of the Heart is the first book, well, the second book I did. The first one wasn't published, but uh, it got turned down several times. I'm still going to bring it back around one of these days. But I wrote The Voice of the Heart years ago, and I remember telling Sonia, my wife, I said, uh, this is going to be big. And she goes, well, oh, great. And uh, and then nothing. I mean, crickets for several years. And I remember saying to her, I thought it was going to be big. I thought God was going to like really take off with this, that this was going to be something because it's true. And uh, she said, look, you were simply called to be obedient, Amen. to pay attention, what you that what to do, what you couldn't stop. You, you went and did it. So let it go. I'm like, wow, okay. And what's amazing is that book is old and it has sold since 2018, more copies since 2018 than the previous years combined. Wow. So you never know. That's number one. It's like loaves and fishes, give them and see what God does with them. It, just, it took God a long time. Somebody told me one time, God's old, so rest assured it'd take him a long time to do what he does. He's mm. cause he's old, you know, he's slow moving, which is silly, but but it's like God's wise. God gets it. He's ancient. He knows what's going on and he'll handle it. So having faith in that process is important. Number two is I remember I've talked and worked with some, a lot of pretty wonderful leaders who have a real vision and have a mission. And they 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 set goals along that route. And their plan is God-sized. And so I will ask them the question, are you willing to fail? Mm-hmm. Are you willing to fail? And, and meaning because you're going to fail. And I don't mean small time, I mean big time. You will not succeed. And they look at me like a deer in the headlights, or some have even wept and been mad at me. Like I lack faith, or I lack faith in what they were doing, and what God called them to. But if your vision is is a God sized plan, then it cannot be completed. Wow! Any more than than one one uh, uh, stone mason finished Notre Dame. I mean, it was five hundred years of masons building that extraordinary sanctuary. Do you know? So. If you got a vision, it's like if you're in it for ego reasons, it will destroy your ego, hopefully. And ego means easing God out. Yes. The things we do to make it about me versus making it about what he called me to and me getting to do it, which means making it about him. And so it's like have something big enough to go fail because I will fail. I'm going to fail. I will never get as many people to see who they're made to be and do what they're made to do as I would wish.
0: So what's interesting about that is two things. One, with your book, uh, I noticed it's it's a 2015 release, and I I remember knowing somehow that it had been out for a while. So this kind of, I hate to say it this way, the best way to say it is later success or fruit still to come in that book. I think that seems very true. I know, I'm hoping we're going to start using this And some of our small groups, we have two dozen small groups that meet around the Miami Valley, Springfield, Dayton, Ohio area. The other thing is, I didn't tell you, which is really interesting. I'm finishing up a devotional. I'm doing with some couples, and I'm also doing with some gathering guys called Chasing Failure by Ryan Leak, if you're familiar with him at all. And he says in there, chasing failure has taken me further than chasing success ever would. And he tells a great story about, uh, he felt like God said, if you could do anything without failing, what would it be? And he's kind of got a pastoral, you know, speaker type of background. And he said, I want to play in the NBA. Well, he knew he couldn't do it, but he's like, you know what? (laughs) And God kept saying, we'll we'll try. Be obedient to, that's your dream, go do it. So he sent notes to emails to a bunch of NBA teams. No, 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 no. Phoenix Suns said yes. He tried out for the Phoenix Suns and he's got a 15 minute little mini documentary video about it and watching him and his hustle and his sweat. And he actually is pretty talented, but he wasn't NBA talented. But he just said, you know what, Uh, for one afternoon, for a few minutes, I could say I was least tied to the Phoenix Suns. I didn't make it. I chased failure and I got it. And yeah. the story and this devotional plan he's got that's a five day one on you version is really powerful. So I love how you're tying that in without knowing it to failure.
1: Yes. It's so beautiful. And even, uh, I just finished up doing the senior Olympics and it took me three years after a knee injury to, to go do the track meet and, uh, uh, the willingness to fail, go, go wind up. You may wind up looking really dumb and I, I got three silvers and I'm a big guy and uh and a lot of the other track guys are not my size and i and i silvered into 50 the 100 the 200 which is the first failure it. it's the first guy it's the first you know number two is the first failure right yeah. first loser it's like no man it was victory i went right amen i went i went i went but you know you mentioned something there oh by the way there is a a companion study that's linear Simple, perfect for small groups connected to the voice of the heart. Now, if you look on Amazon mm-hmm. companion study, that might be really good for your groups. That makes it understandable. It can be done together. Awesome. And it, uh, it's a tool. It's a really neat tool. It has little videos in it and stuff okay, like that. Okay, I'll check so, that
0: out. That would be, yeah, that'd be great. Cause especially if we're going to dive into it. So let's talk about voice of the heart a little bit more because I was, I was in Indiana laying on a hammock doing most of the reading I did in this book and, you know, I had to sit up a little bit, a couple of times and make sure my, I think I had it on the hoopla app and I'm trying to highlight and, you know, make some mental notes. I had a notepad with me or whatever. So what fascinates me about this book is you deal with these eight primary emotions, you know, you you relate them a little bit to colors and you say at face value, seven of these are negative. Gladness is the only positive one. Now this is going to make my listeners head spin. When I say that eight primary emotions, 7 negative 1 positive put their head back in place elaborate on okay. that okay
1: yeah and thank you you know and the, by the way the book is I, I mentioned this because the book is the first edition was even older than the 2015 edition 16 edition that came out and um uh, this book is uh I can look back now and say it with humility but it is a profound book because I recently reread it because I was teaching it in an academy class while we were doing a companion book study at church, and I hadn't read it since I wrote it. I'd just been living it, mm. and I read it and realized, golly, this is uh, amazing stuff. And it's the first; it's a seminal work. It's one of the first emotions book that, that detailed the, the power and purpose of feelings, and all the stuff that's come after that. So. What I say is that that, that there, we have core feelings just like we have primary colors and a certain number of musical notes. And the feelings are sad, hurt, lonely, shame, guilt, glad, anger, and fear. And it's like, well, seven bad ones and one good one glad. Well, it turns out they're all true gifts that we've been given because they're tools. God has given us eight tools, eight core tools, just like the three primary colors. That allow us to live fully in a tragic place, Jeff. So fear is good because it allows me to know that I'm in danger and ask for help. Sadness is good because it lets me experience a loss. See, life is tragic. It's dangerous, and there's loss in it. So sadness, you know, even in the Old Testament, uh, at the funerals, they would fill little glasses, little vials with tears to show to honor. The value of the person who's no longer here i mean we would hold on to our tears as a treasure so sadness brings me to comfort hurt lets me know i have a wound and gets me to seek healing so you, you go on like that loneliness tells me i'm made for relationship and lets me seek it out in true ways if we run from our feelings what happens is we pay the price of that if we run from our hearts which is the out of which flow all the issues of life, Proverbs 4.23. If we run from how you're made, you wind up with the negative results because fear will become anxiety. Hurt will become resentment. Loneliness will become apathy. Who cares? I don't care. You don't matter either. And so you see that the feelings when we run from them become ultimately isolate us from ourselves and each other. But if I can do fear well, if I tell you, hey, Jeff, man, I'm really scared about doing this podcast. Can you give me some tips about what we're going to be looking at so I can get prepared? You say, hey, yeah, man, here's kind of a script we're going to look at. Check this out if you want to. I'm like, okay, great. And that increases my faith in the process because I was in need. And Jeff, what's amazing is, especially for men, being able to be in need Mm -hmm. or neediness is the key that unlocks the treasure trove of a band of brothers being with each other who can be loyal and faithful to each other. And also it unlocks the treasure trove of God's presence in our lives. Because the Psalms are full of my neediness brings your presence to my life, God. So there, you know, I'll stop with that. But I mean, they're not bad.
0: You just did a great infomercial for The Gathering of the Miami Valley. We will we will pull that sound right. bite out. We will put it on our website. That is really good stuff. And you, know, you do a great job of, I trust what I know of you from having heard you on th- some things. But when I opened up that book and got down to the heart of it with the seven negatives and the one positive, I thought, okay, for him to really spin this the right direction— <laughs> am I going really, to really buy into this? But I think you hit it so hard, and I think the word neediness fits really well because we do need each other. And you really do bring it full circle for us to see the value in those seven. So let's put pause because I want to ask you about a few specific ones. But let's go okay. to my Rapid Five. These are just quick, hard-hitting, heavy, light, fun, comments here i thought you'd be really good okay. on this so Jim, <laughs> Have a break your, from the. You're, you're gonna do it if you're a rebel and, you, and you're at, you're at the school where eli manning played football you got an archie you got to do well with these questions so yeah. what is your favorite childhood snack or cereal
1: uh dolly madison cinnamon buns oh wow i don't <laughs> i remember those well oh, I- hey tricks Trick cereal. I love tricks. I don't even know if they have it anymore. Well, tricks is for kids. <laughs>
0: tricks is for kids. That's that's for sure. Okay, well, we will follow that one away. What is your favorite book?
1: By the you... way, three three bowls at a time. That was my that was my deal. <laughs>
0: you still would you do three bowls at a time now if you had a box of cereal? I don't
1: even eat cereal anymore. Uh, it's crazy, isn't it
0: <laughs> wow? What's your favorite book you most want to gift to other people?
1: You know, I believe a book that was a major part of me returning to the beauty of hope was no wonder they call him savior mm, Max written by Max Potato. Yeah. and, and I've, I've given it to several people they were they weren't impressed i guess it was just for me at that time but no wonder they call him savior because i bumped into a jesus i knew when i was little that i would go anywhere any place to to be wherever he was yeah. so because like, he cared enough to find where i was
0: when I recommitted oh. my life to Christ at 20 years old, that was one of the first books I read after I really? did that. Yeah, so I'm, I'm with you on that book. So.
1: Oh, yeah, yeah.
0: Let's say your family, and we got some kids and whoever involved here, we're going on a trip. You're leaving Murfreesboro, and let's say you're heading my way maybe, and you're heading to Springfield, Ohio, and you uh, say, Hey, okay, here's what we're doing. Here's the route. We're going to stop for lunch. And then you get in a traffic jam or something happens somebody has to go to the bathroom 10 minutes sooner than you planned and you see on this exit sign these three places mcdonald's chick-fil-a and we'll assume somehow god puts an in-and-out burger right there as well which <laughs> restaurant would team dodd stop at?
1: chick-fil-a no question man
0: in and out had no shot huh
1: well, In-N-Out would be good, but I'm going Chick-fil-A. Efficiency – well, In-N-Out's super efficient. I've just been to one of those. They were really good. I guess either one. Okay. But Chick-fil-A, I would go immediately.
0: Poor McDonald's. Ronald McDonald's got no shot, huh?
1: That's a sad deal, yeah. You, yeah. Know, it's,
0: you know it's funny about that? I was uh, in a small town in Ohio, not far from us, about 45 minutes away last night, heading back to my son's soccer game. I dropped him off, had about half hour, went and grabbed a pizza for my daughter and I, and uh, on this random porch at this house – was a Ronald McDonald and I'm like, well, it's right in the middle of town. I guess they didn't steal it, but somewhere, (laughs) somehow they must have bought a Ronald McDonald and put it on their porch. It was the most, (laughs) I took a picture, sent it to a friend of mine. I said, look at this. I thought he was in your town. He's actually in West Jefferson, Ohio, but,
1: uh, you know, what's beautiful about Chick-fil-A and other organizations like that is that they did neuroscientific fulfillment before anybody knew about it. It's like, they welcome you. And they offer, they, they value you mm-hmm. and they're efficient. And they say, my pleasure, my pleasure, by the way, my pleasure wasn't introduced until 2007. And I heard this yesterday. I'm doing consulting with another restaurant group and uh, it didn't catch on. The, the employees didn't even use it consistently until 2010. and like 10 took three years for the, the employees to buy in and now it's become their brand staple. Well, you know, and what's the funny, organization, yeah.
0: You know what's funny about that is, so we now we we didn't have a Chick fil A in my town for ever, and then we got one less than a year ago, and it's about a mile from my house. So we have a couple of our groups that we have with guys meets there. In fact, when I'm done today, I'll head into town about three forty-five and go to one. But it's funny to me the difference. And I'm I'm a critic of restaurants. It's funny the difference when you hear my pleasure versus you hear no problem. I want to. Oh yeah. I want to go crazy when I hear no problem. I'm like. Well, you're getting paid. I hope it's no problem. <laughs> like if the, the the thought of a problem coming into you serving me was an issue, you, yes. you got big problems.
1: I, Jeff, I can't believe you're saying that. I literally used that as an example yesterday. I did uh, two days uh, working with a, another restaurant group that kind of wants to be the Chick-fil-A for the untrained and underprivileged. It's mm-hmm. a really cool possibility. This, this guy's amazing who's on this mission. But it's like, that was the example I used. It's like uh, somebody hands me, so I say, thank you. And they go, no problem. Like uh, like I was bothering them. Yeah. It's like, you got to change the language. Oh, you got to speak to the heart of how people are made.
0: Yeah, no you want to belong
1: in matter. Yeah, yeah.
0: No, no problem does not get it done. It, it makes me cringe every time I hear it. And not, uh-huh. not to That's be critical, right. just to be critical, but it, it drives me nuts. Yeah. So yeah. what is the movie, Chip, that gets you, whether it's a, a, a date night with your wife or it's it's just you by yourself as a guy and nobody were, were to be around? What's the movie that gets you <laughs> and pulls you in every time?
1: I, I'm laughing about it. It's, uh, for sure, Braveheart, Braveheart. which I think pretty old now, Braveheart. That movie uh, is it nailed so many things. It's just unbelievable. Another one is Lion King. Oh, and, wow. and again, themes in that. Also, the notebook. <laughs>
0: mm. You got my wife <laughs> on, the, I, on this. My wife loves you for that
1: one. Uh-huh. I registered and and you know what's hilarious movie is uh Sweet Home Alabama. Oh. See, of course these are date, I'm dating myself here, but great yeah. movies. Yeah. But Braveheart's my my thing. Okay, I love
0: that. Yeah, there you go. A lot of people. Every man,
1: every man would love to be William Wallace. Sure, but the truth is we're all Robert the Bruce. There
0: you go. There no. you go. I can see that answer. Who's your uh, first celebrity crush?
1: <laughs> uh, William Wallace, <laughs> Mel Gibson. <laughs> uh, also, I tell you what, I loved uh, uh, Will Smith and Hitched.
0: oh that that oh that's a great movie that's a great movie
1: You know what's funny? Yeah.
0: People, someone said to me recently, they said, you know, I think people are feeling trapped when you ask that question because Mark Batterson, we just released his episode today. So this will be dated when this comes out. But he are, he grew up in Chicago, the pastor, author, and he said, Michael Jordan. And they said, people are just flipping your question a little bit and they're making it go a different direction. So you kind of did the same thing there. So we'll, we're going to go with, uh, I'll, I'll pick Will Smith for you out of the ones you just threw out. So
1: okay, let's yeah. get
0: back to your book though. So spiritual root system, maybe elaborate that a little bit but let's also talk about loneliness fear and shame because all three of those i think are all over our world they're all over our church world you know people everywhere are experiencing uh, potentially loneliness fear and shame but tie that into spiritual root system as well
1: very quickly on the spiritual root system the spiritual root system names and acknowledges how we're actually created from birth that before you ever spoke a word or had a thought, you came out expressing being created by God and you were doing exactly what you were made to do before you could think or talk, Mm. which means that what preceded your ability to think was expression of the heart. Your heart was intact at birth because you came out of the womb crying out, which is asking f- to be connected. You came out of the womb reaching out, which is being in need, and you came out craving connection. Long before the baby will reach for the breast of food, the baby is doing skin food. Mm-hmm. In other words, the baby will bond with the caregiver before they'll ever seek biological food. It's all about heart. And crying out is a, is a physical representation of will the baby feel. And then reaching out is, will the baby need? And then uh, seeking relational connection is, will the baby crave? And this is Jesus's Matthew 7, 7. Hey, once you begin to be able to talk, and once you can really think, don't leave behind how you're created. Ask, and you shall receive, which is crying out. Seek, and you will find, which is reaching out. Knock and the door will be opened to you, which is craving connection. In other words, I'm in need of whatever's in this shelter because I don't have it. I'm a wanderer and looking for a home. So it's like, it's amazing. So this this turns the world upside down, Jeff, because we're creatures of heart who can think. We're not thinking creatures who have to just simply get rid of the heart or make demands on the heart. So when Jesus said, well, in Psalm says, uh, 423, guard your heart, attend to your heart, pay attention to your heart. Above all things, guard it. Be diligent related to it because out of it flow all the issues of life. And it turns out the issues of life is that emotions have more power than thoughts. And unless you can deal with your emotions using your thinking, life will overwhelm you and you will distance from people. And you're going to wind up in a level of dissatisfaction you wish you weren't, because wow. you're made. You came to life to live fully, Amen. which takes us to fear, shame, and loneliness, really. So
0: yeah, you kind of I like how you kind of address that all in one swoop there. So if we, we talked about discipleship earlier, if you would encourage people who leave this book and they go forward with one truth, one application, one daily habit, how would you lead and disciple with that?
1: Man, I would want every single person out there. The first thing they do in the morning after they rested their bodies, they get up and rest their hearts, meaning that the the Psalm says, Psalm 16 says, even at night, my heart instructs me, which means I'm being given material to my mind to deal with. In the morning, I need to sit down and answer God's first question. The first question God ever asked is, where are you? Mm -hmm. And the answer, go back and look in scripture, the answer was emotional. That word there is Ayika, A-Y-E-K-A, it's Hebrew, and it's a lament. And when God comes into the garden after the people ran from how he made them, he says, where are you in terms of now my heart is broken because now I know what the results of this, your choice is going to be. And Adam was disconnected from God and was, and God was saying, I'm, I'm lamenting losing you. I need to know where you are. And the answer was emotional. He told the truth about what was in his heart. I was afraid. And when the man spoke emotional truth, God could connect with the man. So the man had made himself available. And at the seat of atonement, it says God's presence will be with us there. That's in in, um, uh, Exodus 25 when God uh, told Moses how to build the mercy seat, seat of atonement. God said, my presence will be with you at this place. In other words, where we bring our hearts, God's presence will be. So in the morning, I think one of the most vital things is that we, we wake up and spend some time in the word, in prayer, in meditation, in listening to God and talking to God in imagining life like we wish it could be. And we end up telling the truth about what's happening in our hearts, mm-hmm. which starts with emotion. Because loneliness is a position of being human. We are all made to find fulfillment through relationship. And so therefore I need to be in relationship with my own heart. I need to be in relationship with others' hearts and the heart of God. Because just doing for God is not going to be in relationship with God. God. But being able to be with God, and the only way we can be with God is by being truthful. And the truth is, telling what's going on in our hearts.
0: This ties real well to me. Last week at a conference, when I left, one of the things the Lord was really showing me was that that passage in Matthew 26, 38, where Jesus said to the disciples, you know, towards the end here, said, my soul is very sorrowful, even to death. Remain here and watch with me. Him acknowledging he's sorrowful really sharing his heart with them and what's going on inside of there i'm like wow you talk about being fully human that is jesus yes. being human and uh yeah. so that fits really well with something god's been kind of revealing to me as you're talking there let's end on this and i know you got to go and you've been gracious with time here chip what is it i being- love being with you jeff thank uh, you I, Well. I I'm hoping I'm hoping maybe Dave and John aren't the only ones who get to have you on a bunch of times. I oh, want man, you on hey, here.
1: just shoot me a call. We will I, do that. I, I mean, I'll get to schedule it.
0: What is a BHAG for you right now? What is one of those big, hairy, audacious goals that's yet to be out there for you that's getting you up out of bed early these days?
1: Uh, well, I, one one is I want to do a book called How to Love a Woman's Heart. Ooh. It's uh, how how men need to become available, gentle, and vulnerable again so that the women women feel safe and, and and stable and supported. I'd love to do that, get that book out. I also wanna do a movie uh, from a, a a novel I did called Anthem to the Invisible, which is about what happens to society when we lose heart. Wow. I wanna do a baseball movie on the Beatitudes, The Perfect Loss, about two brothers. I did a book called yeah. The Perfect Loss years ago. I wanted to story. find out
0: more about that, yeah.
1: Yeah, I love that book. But it's all these things, and but everything is continuing onward, on my mission, which is helping people see who they're made to be so they can do what they're made to do. I'd love to reach about 3 million people and uh, have revival of the heart in this country, which will be a revival of us coming home to how we're made, which is repentance. You know, turn away from what's taking us away from how God made us and coming home to who he made us to be. That's my big audacious dream, is that we have a movement of revival by we, us coming home to how he made us.
0: Every woman that hears you talk about who's married, who hears you talk about that man's heart connected with a woman's heart, they are amen in that and wanting that book ready six months ago.
1: Hey Jeff, listen to this. I have discovered what a woman means when she says you don't listen to me, and I have found a solution for a man to be able to do it. And and it, it's and I've even, I even I was telling my brother who who doesn't listen to me much. <laughs> And I told him about how to listen to a woman's heart. And he said, you do it by watching. But anyway, the last time I saw him, he said, dude, it worked. I'm telling you, wow. man, that's the that's the best thing you've ever told me. So, yeah, we'll leave it on that, I guess. I'll be your
0: first <laughs> customer if my wife doesn't sign me up first. So,
1: <laughs> Give me a call. I'll, I'll, I'll let you know. I'll let you in on it. <laughs> Chip,
0: where, where can people find out more about you if they want to know more about who you are, your content, what you're up to? What's the best places for uh, them to go? Th-
1: Chipdodd.com, D-O-D-D dot com and uh, the weekly newsletter and uh, some presentations, of podcast and other books and things. So, yeah, or yeah. Instagram, Dr. Chip Dodd.
0: Well, thank you for uh, creating thin space that I'm not having to just partake of you through uh, Dave and John or the Lions or whatever. I really appreciate your time and coming on here. And yeah. I think follow up will definitely be happening on my end to you.
1: Yeah. You know what's fun, Jeff? It's like I'm leaving this podcast with you smiling. I'm just catching myself just smiling, laughing. It's the way it was with Dave and John. Those guys, it was fun. So thank you. Praise God. We'll look forward to more dialogue with you in the future for sure. Great, Jeff. Thank you. God bless
0: you. Have a great day, everybody. Bye-bye. Thank you for joining us on the Pinkleton Pull Aside podcast. You can reach Jeff at gatheringmiamivalley.org or find us on Facebook at The Gathering of the Miami Valley. Join us again next week for another
1: honest and rich conversation. The Rise FM Podcast Network.